This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, you notice the title of the message today is God's Way to Grow in Faith. God's Way to Grow in Faith. And I want to show you a couple things out of the bookstore that will help you. Uh, first book's called Exceeding Growing Faith. Exceeding Growing Faith. And things that I'm teaching are taught this book also. And this book here is something that you can take home and study and study and study. Take notes, put yellow in it, put red lines in it, put stars in it. Open up your Bible and match the verses up. Make sure the verses are in the Bible. That's, that's something that uh, I can't emphasize too much. No matter... Who's, who's teaching it? Whatever book you're reading, whatever preacher you listen to on the internet or on, on TV, don't ever take their word for it till you see it in the Bible. And not just one verse, but a Bible pattern. See, the thing, the, the, the Bible doctrines and principles that God teaches that He wants us to get is not just a one verse, one time thing that happened, but it's a Bible pattern from Genesis to Revelation. God wants us blessed. And he teaches these things over and over. And then another book called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. And and the the thing this book teaches from the Word of God that, that is so good, how many know the Bible teaches that when you're first born again, you first receive Jesus, start your faith walk, you're called a babe in Christ. And we call it baby Christians. And I got a little baby Joaquin right here in the front row. And got Joaquin right here just starting. And I got... Claire right here, been doing things a while. Well, they're not the same age. I remember when Claire was that age. I remember when Claire came to this world. She was a little one like that, but she grew up. And that's just the same way it is for Christian faith. We all start off the same place. We're babes in Christ. But then I look at myself, January 29th, 1980, I was a babe. Well, here I am almost 40 years later. I'm not a babe anymore. I'm matured. But because the book's like this, growing up spiritually, he teaches you in this book from the Word of God how to measure where you are. A babe in Christ, then a child. You know, there's a difference between a babe and a child. Then you become a child, you become a son or a daughter of God, and then you become spiritually mature, mature Christians, where you grow up. Well, this book here teaches scriptures to show you how to measure yourself and what to do to go from being an adolescent how many know the adolescents know everything? Amen. Well, Christian faith is the same way. Most Christians go through a phase where they know everything. And then all of a sudden, they're like teenagers. One day they realize, wow, you know what? I think Dad knows something I didn't know. Well, wow, I know what Mom was talking about now that all of a sudden you realize, I don't know really what I thought I'd do. And when you come to that place in time, then you're ready to start growing. And I remember I went through those phases myself as a Christian. But anyway, these books, these books really help you. And, you know, all I can say about the bookstore, it's not just a nice thing we do because we want to sell books. It's part of the tools we want to do to help our children grow, to help you grow to be stronger Christians. And that's what this lesson is all about today. And so we want to start off looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, thank you for your... For your holy enthusiasm. I want to say again, we're looking at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you what, it's so excited to be a Christian. Okay, this verse says, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, as it is fitting, because that, look at this, your faith groweth exceedingly. He said he saw these Christians' faith in Thessalonica growing exceedingly and the charity or the love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. And when your faith's growing, it's because your love's growing. And when your love's growing, you're reaching out and loving people. But the main thing is I want to look at we're going to talk about today. He said your faith growing exceedingly. And so after nearly three decades of being a full-time pastor to God's people, Still, one of the most frequent questions and prayer requests I have at the altar from people is, Pastor, I want to be a better Christian. Pastor, I want to grow. I want to be stronger. I want to be a better husband. 
Pastor, pray for me. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better employee. I want to be a good Christian employer and treat my people right. And so the question people ask is, how can I be a better better Christian? And that's what we're going to talk about today, things that uh, I've learned over the last almost 40 years of being a Christian, things that I've incorporated into my Christian lifestyle, and things that have worked for me, that works for anybody. That'll do what the Bible says to do. And I think about a good friend of mine, my, he's actually my best friend for years and years and years, he was my best friend at my wedding, a guy named Gary Regish from Indianapolis. And Gary was a post office worker for, I think he finally retired after 35 years, something like that, the post office. But we always preached together. Before I was married, we traveled the country together, preached together, took our vacations together, just evangelized and just, you know, we, we got to preach around the Indiana area. We preached together in churches and things. But he was a full-time postal worker and got, God turned me into a full-time pastor. And so I thought, well, Gary would be in the ministry after me, but because he was always in the ministry, just he worked and then preached when he could. Well, I started off working and preaching when I could until God made me full-time preacher. But Gary, years ago, Gary was praying. He said, Lord, he said, I got to know what I'm called to be. He said, now Bernie knows he's a pastor and talk about other preachers. They know what they're doing. So what am I called to be? And the Lord told Gary something to me, very profound, but I've always, I've always remembered. He said, I've called you to be a strong believer. And so he was a believer, strong in the faith, that worked at the post office, but also God used him to preach in churches and other places. And so that's what I want to tell you today. No matter what else you think you're called to do, I think about John over there over the Ford dealership. I've been in there and I've seen John over there. He's, he's a light in the Ford dealership. He runs the parts department and things like that there. But I tell you, that man shines over there. He's a strong believer over at Ford. I think about Dave. You know, Dave gets to talk to the cows. <laughs> Dave, Dave works on the equipment for a lot of these dairy farms around here. But I'll guarantee you, Dave is a strong believer out there to those farmers out there. You know, I can look at every one of you. You know, I know everybody here. You're all strong believers where you are. And if you're not as strong as you want to be, listen this morning. And if you feel today that, well, he's talking about these other people, but I don't, I don't feel very strong. Well, listen today what we're going to say, because Paul said, there's something that we can see about your faith, said we see your faith growing. He said, I've seen you and your faith's growing exceedingly. And so if Paul and the people of Thessalonica could tell that those people, that church's faith were growing exceedingly, then I'll guarantee you people today can see when your faith's growing exceedingly. And, you know, I, I think about something else, too, sometimes the Christians don't, don't really think about. How many here besides me have ever raised a child or children? Did anybody ever like to light your children up against the wall and put a little mark there and then come back a year later and look at the marks and watch them grow? Well, we had, Mrs. Pastor and I, between us had eight children. And uh, we had four together, then two and two, eight all together. But anyway, we had four of them that were with us all the time that we raised. And back at our place in Martinsville, Indiana, you don't really realize how much they grow till you see it. But we, we, had, we had little marks on the wall there. And it was amazing, man, from one year to the next. And then, you know, especially you look at three or four years apart, all of a sudden, here's little Davy. And all of a sudden, he's Pastor Davy. And he's up here. But year by year, your faith grows. And if you're a Christian, that's a serious Christian that does your best to obey God, your faith is growing. You're just not seeing it yet. But we want to look at some things today to make sure we stay in a healthy mode where we're growing all the time. We want to keep on growing in the faith. And you know something, I'm just thinking, I think about the Copies. This, this is one of my favorite stories that, uh, the Kofi story, it's a good one. They got, they, got, they got a son named Jeff. And Jeff had back problems for years. What was it called? Curvature of the spine or something? And I was teaching one day and talking about God doing back miracles. And Jeff came up here. And long story short, I prayed for Jeff and God instantly healed his back. And he's able for the first time in his whole adult life. He's about 29 to 30 years old. Bit over, touched his toes right there. He said he'd never done that before. But anyway, here's the story I'm getting to fast forward. He then told me that they did the family thing even later in life like that, where they do the lines on the wall. 
And everybody looked at Jeff and said, well, you're just taller than you've been. And then they realized that because his back got healed, it straightened up that he was an inch taller as an adult than what he used to be. But see, in your life, even where you are, God can do something to you today where you're going to straighten up. You've always been capable of walking in more, but now you're going to walk in more. Because you're going to see something today. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So anyway, uh, after all the, all these years, I still hear pretty frequently prayer requests up here at the altar. Pastor, pray for me. I want to be a better Christian. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to be able to, to grow in the faith. And so the, the question is, how can I be a better Christian? So I want you to notice this verse says, your faith groweth exceedingly. And so to be a stronger Christian, you must do what the Bible teaches to grow your faith. You've got to do some things to grow your faith. And that's what we're going to look at today, how to grow your faith. And I'm going to look at some basic Bible instructions that any believer can choose. It's a choice. Everything in your Christian faith, everything in your life is a choice. Everybody that's here today is here because you chose to get out of bed. You chose to be here instead of somewhere else today. Some of you may have had invitations from friends or family, something they're going to do. Go to the beach, go to Big Bear, uh, go do something today. And you thought, no, I'm going to choose to go to church today. I can do other things later, but Sunday only comes one time a week. And I choose to go to church because I want to grow. And so you made a good choice by coming here today. But any Christian can choose to follow some really simple Christian disciplines, and develop spiritual habits. You know, I think about, I think about the uh, workout people. Well, you know, myself, I've, I've lost a lot of weight the last few months because I got really heavy last year through chemotherapy, things I went through. And I made the choice to choose what I was going to eat every day and not eat. And then people, some of the people in the church have asked me, Pastor, said, what not, you on what's working? And the biggest thing I say is called spiritual discipline. And I tell people, choose whatever diet you want. Just stick with it. People say, Pastor, how'd you go strong in the faith? Well, I choose how I spend my time. I choose not to be distracted with other things. I choose to consistently practice spiritual discipline. By setting aside time for prayer, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's, that's the thing I'm saying as we get this message today. It doesn't make any difference what I say today. If you choose, I'm going to leave here and not change anything in my life, then you're going to stay where you are. Christianity is a choice. You know, we hear things preached in the Word of God this morning. Pastor Dave did a lot of talking about tithing over the offering and things like that. Well, there's people sitting here. That had developed the habit a long time ago that God gets 10% of my income. And that's a discipline. They don't think about it, don't pray about it. It's just the way it is. And there's other people sit here and just think, well, that's so nice. I love to hear this. Well, loving to hear it doesn't change anything. It's doing what you hear that changes things. Amen? And so the things we talk about today, if you choose... If you choose to incorporate into your Christian lifestyle things you're hearing today, then you'll get the results the Bible says you can have. Look at Jeremiah in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 15. Jeremiah, chapter 3, verse 15. And... You know, I, you know, if you come here regularly, you've heard me talk about my life some the last season. I went through some serious stuff last year, and I'm very grateful I'm alive. I'm grateful I'm healthy. I feel like I got born again again, like I got a new lease on life, a new chance with life. And so I've started at the start of the year, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, going through the Bible like I've never read it before. I'm up to Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy right now, but I have diligently read every verse real slow, sometimes spend two or three days in one chapter because I'm reading it like I've never read it. And then at the same time, we have a church Bible study that we put on the Internet and we get hand out every month that we do. Well, I keep up with other things I'm doing. I read our Bible study plus other things I do. But the whole thing I'm saying, 
I said that to say this. I see the love of God starting in Genesis chapter 1. Because because I am well versed in the scriptures, know a lot about the Bible. As I'm going to chapter 1, although I'm reading it like I've never read it, I've seen a thread through the whole Bible of God's redemptive plan for mankind. God has never, ever, ever left confusion out there about where he stands about how to live. He's never, ever, ever put it up for grabs about what we're supposed to do. He told us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, said, I set before you, my people, life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, therefore, choose. He said, choose life. And so I see through there that God has always made it plain about what to do to be blessed and what not to do if you want to stay living a stupid life. And so I see that love of God coming through there. I'm thinking about the things we're going to look at today. God has always been very, 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 very plain about how much he loves us. It's his will. It's his harsh desire as our spiritual father to make sure we succeed in life if we want to. So Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. God said this. He said, I will give you pastors. Center column says rulers are shepherds. And that word ruler, the Hebrew, the Greek is the same thing. Not a dictator. It means a leader. I've given you somebody to lead you. And think about Psalms 23 about Jesus. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me to green grass. To still waters. Well, God gives under shepherds under the Lord Jesus Christ to lead you to good spiritual food, green grass, still waters to have peace in your life. To be able to know what to do to avoid pitfalls, to be able to what to do if you get in a trap, how to get out of the trap, how to get healed. I give you pastors, God said, according to my heart, God supernaturally, by His Spirit, puts His heart of love for His people in certain men and certain women as He chooses. God put His heart in me as a pastor to be able, with His love, to do things for people that a fellow believer can't do. He said, I'll put my heart in pastors which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And, you know, I think about things, you know, I, I just really love the things that Katie Brady shared this morning when she came to the church. Can I tell you a story a little bit, Katie? When Katie and her husband first come to the church, they were, he was a Marine, they were a Marine family, and they had a young son that just moved to heaven. And that's such a experience nobody, myself included, could ever imagine what that would be like for a young son an infant son, to move to heaven. She, they, were, they were very broken people, very hurt people. And it took the love of God through a shepherd and the church family to be able to get them, I, I don't know what you'd even call it, stabilized, healed, mended, and grandma too. And grandma too. And like that, but I can't imagine... How the world goes through things like that by having a church family. Because the things that takes place in a church family are not just natural things. We don't, we don't have 17 steps of therapy. We don't have 10 steps. We have the anointing of God. We have the spirit of God. And we have the wisdom of God that doesn't come from heads or Bible school are learning in seminaries. We have the wisdom of God comes from heaven because God said, I put my heart in pastors. That comes from heaven through pastors to be able to do what Jesus could do if he were here on earth. I talk about how to be a stronger Christian. And so God said, I'll give you pastors with my heart. They'll feed you with knowledge. And that's what Katie told about the spiritual dads. A lot of people can feed you with Bible knowledge, but pastors can feed you with understanding. To be able, like I'm doing today, taking my time under the influence of the Holy Spirit 
to explain things. So stuff that happens in your heart where all of a sudden you realize if you don't have a pastor yet, maybe I'm supposed to be your pastor, maybe I'm not. Nobody can choose who your pastor is but God. But if you're visiting today, or if you've been checking our church out and you just don't really know yet where you belong, come long enough till you know. And if it comes a point in time, you think, well, I've really tried this church out, and I know that man's a good Bible teacher, the people are nice, but I just don't feel this in my church. Well, don't give up. Pray, seek the Lord, because God's not a man that he should lie. God said, I'll give you pastors. And if God said, I've got a pastor for you, then God's got a pastor for you. I'd love to be your pastor, but more than that, I'd love you to be with your pastor, whoever it is, whether it's me or somebody else. But I'm talking about how to grow strong spiritually. And the first thing is, you've got to line up with the Bible. And so if God says he wants you to have a spiritual father, then hook up with that and say, okay, Lord, my faith is this. You said you've got a pastor for me. Lord, who's my pastor? And you don't find your pastor by sitting home playing on Facebook or Instagram or watching some goofy television show. Amen. Even if they're Westerns. My wife loves Westerns. Now she got me hooked. I love Westerns. But we don't usually find God on Westerns. Amen. And so anyway, God's perfect will for your life is for you to pray and find out who he has chosen to be your pastor. And, you know, a pastor is actually gifted to be a spiritual father with God's heart of love for you. And so you need to sit under the teaching of your God-ordained pastor consistently. Everybody say consistently. Consistently. If you want to be a stronger Christian. That's the whole key. If you want to be a stronger Christian, you need to be consistently under the influence of your pastor and the Word of God. Now go to Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. And if you've been in this church for two weeks, you've heard this verse a few times. You've been around any length of time at all, you've heard this verse. Romans 10:17 says, "So the faith cometh by praying. So the faith cometh by tithing. So the faith cometh by testifying. So the faith cometh through trials. So the faith cometh by worship. All those things are scriptural. We don't want to pray for the trials, but they happen. You got to know how to get through them. We worship, we pray, we tithe, we love. But he says, so the faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. If, you're going to, if your faith's going to grow exceedingly, that means you're going to be serious about hearing the word of God. Paul said, your faith groweth exceedingly. We can see that. You show me a person that's hungry for the word of God, and I'll show you a person that's growing. Amen. Faith only comes one way, by hearing the Word of God being taught. And so, if faith cometh by hearing, then it makes sense that lack of faith comes by not hearing the Word of God. Does that make sense? Faith comes by hearing. Lack of faith comes by not hearing. And can I tell you something else on the natural side? Fat cometh by eating ice cream. And you know what else happens? Skinny comes by quit eating ice cream. Quit eating the fat stuff, and you quit getting fat. I can say that about me. I can't say it about you. I can wear clothes I haven't worn for years. I have to watch out and put my belt real tight and put more holes in the belt, because if I don't, Mrs. Pastors, nobody else can see this. Mrs. Pastors see me get up out of my TV chair, and all of a sudden, if I had the belt undone, boxers... And so, you know what? She saw that my skinny groweth exceedingly. You can see it. And so, no, I'm giving you a really good example, a really good example about how this faith works, because I'm, I'm very serious about this, that there's many of you sitting here, you're not satisfied right now with where you are. You know you love Jesus, 
You know, you have family that you want to see come into the family of God. You've got co-workers you work with because every week, at least once or more times every week, somebody in my prayer line wants to be praying about somebody they work with that they want to be able to witness to. It's just not working. Or they've got a family member that they love that's going through something and they want to be a stronger Christian to be able to be a more bolder witness with the family person and they want to have more faith. So I'm telling you how this works. And so, something that, something that I learned a long time ago about faith and prayer is that people pray for more faith. But faith's not going to come by praying. Because you don't have faith for praying unless you have faith for the Word. And if you get faith for the Word of God, then you get more faith in your praying. And so, do you know that Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word? That proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so what Jesus said is this. Jesus said that God's word is spiritual food. And we just looked at Malachi chapter 3 from Pastor Dave. God said, bring your tithe into the storehouse that there be food in my house. Well, what he's saying is this. You take care of the pastor so he doesn't have to go out and drive trucks and work out there to take care of himself. The pastor's got time to spend time during the week feeding on the Word of God, listening to heaven to bring a message out to feed you. That's called food. And so God said, take care of the pastor so he can be a food in my house, so he can feed you spiritual food. And so I'm going to give you an example that you need to get a hold of. And I think this will help some of you, especially if you're really religious-minded and, and, and think that all you got to do is pray to have victory in life. You do have to pray to have victory in life, but you got to have the spiritual food first. Okay, Jesus said that the Word of God is food to your spirit. And so, the, what the Word of God is to your, to your spirit is like natural food is to your body. You gotta eat if you want your body to live. It's smart to eat, right? But you need to eat to be able to live. But guess what else you need? You gotta breathe. And so just as clean air is, to your physical health, pray it is to your spiritual health. You need to eat to live. You need to breathe to live. To grow spiritually, you need to eat. You need to pray. You can't just be all praying and not eating. You know, I, I, I chose to lose weight. I didn't quit eating. I still eat. If I quit eating altogether... I would be like some of you are spiritually. That always goes over real big. I dare to say, even in a church like this, there probably be at least one person in here that didn't open their Bible since last Sunday. And if you happen to be physically overweight, if you didn't open the refrigerator till next Sunday, you might look different. I said God's going to say some things today to help you see some things you need to see. And so, if you don't open the Bible until next Sunday, and they come up here and say, Pastor, pray for me, I want to be stronger. And I could say, well, how much of the Word of God did you eat this week? And if you have to stop and think... And if I were to say, what was your favorite verse this week out of our Bible study we do every, every day? And you have to stop and think, we do a Bible study? Well, did you get one thing out of what I taught last Sunday? Uh, all I got last Sunday was sunburned. I was at the beach. No, what am I doing? Right now, I've been a spiritual dad. I'm a spiritual father right now saying some things to prod your thinking. Some saying some things to get you mad. Why did I get you mad? So you can repent. Get closer to God. And to get closer to God that He can talk to you. Amen. Amen. And so stop and think about what we're talking about right now. You're wanting to be a stronger Christian. You're wanting to have more boldness to pray for people. You're wanting to win the 
other people are wanting to get into things they shouldn't be wanting to do. You're wanting to be able to have the strength to walk away from and say, no, I don't do that anymore. I don't live that way. That's not what I do. Well, if your faith grows exceedingly, you're going to recognize that from this year compared to last year, you didn't fall for it like you did last year. And that's another notch on the wall. You grew up a notch. You recognize, you're recognizing that you're in the restaurant to pray over your food. You wasn't embarrassed to do it this year. You just did it because you know you wasn't doing it to impress the people around you. You're doing it because you love Jesus. You want your food blessed. And when you see those little notches, you see your faith is growing. And then when you recognize that you were visiting somebody and they talked about they were getting ready to have an operation or something, you say, well, wait a minute, can I pray for you? And you get their hand to pray, your faith is growing. But see, that happens because you're doing some of these things we're talking about for the Bible. Number one, you're coming to church more consistently. And the more you hang around Christians and more consistently come to church, you're getting bolder. You're getting more faith. And your faith is growing. And the thing is, that, well, I, I think about John again. He just kind of sticks out at me today. You know, going to the Ford dealership, I know that John on that job like I was when I was a truck driver. There's people on that job over there that'll start to say something. They'll look up, they'll see us, John, and say, wait a minute. John's a Christian. We don't want to talk that way around John. Or they'll say something and start doing something like that. And they'll say, well, wait a minute. No, no need to ask it him. John don't do those things anymore. He's a Christian. And see, that's because your faith is growing and the people you work with can see it growing. And they, instead of looking down on you, they look up to you and they think, man, I want to be like that. Well, the things we're talking about helps you be like that, to be a stronger Christian, to be a better Christian. And so anyway, your faith will grow exceedingly if you obey the Bible exceedingly and do these simple things. These things aren't hard. Go to Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. And... The times we live in, the times we live in, if there's ever a time, if there's ever a time to be a strong believer, it's now. If there's ever a time that the world needs somebody to give them answers, it's now. And you know, I think about Jesus talking to the disciples. He talked about the time was coming when people was going to persecute you and et cetera, et cetera. And he said, when that comes, he said, you have to stop to think what the answer said. Your father will give you the answer on the spot. And so we as Christians, for the things that go on all around us in the world, in our families, there's so many things out there with the Internet and things that people are programmed anti-Christ, anti-Christian, etc. Well, if we're walking like we're supposed to walk as a strong believer, it amazes me the wisdom of God comes out of the mouth of a believer that walks with God. You know, Jesus, when you studied the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus confused them and tied them up all the time in knots when they tried to cross him. They'd ask him questions, try to set him up. And the Father, through Jesus, would answer their questions with questions. They'd walk away confused, didn't know what to do because they thought they had him cornered. There's people, now this is by the Spirit of God now, there's people that you work with, there's people in your family that have wrong spirits that try to cross you up and make you say the wrong answer about your Christian faith. But I'm telling you right now, God, your Father, is going to speak through you with His wisdom to give them answers that your head never knew about. And then, instead of them tying you up, the Spirit of God's got them tied up, not to hurt them, to make them pray and think. Because of what come out of your mouth. And then they're going to look at you. They're going to have respect for you. And they're going to think, how did Irma, that lady at the Walmart, never come up with that? But because they know she's a Christian, they're going to look at her. They're going to have to think, she could have come up with that. That had to have been God through Irma that said that. And that's what God wants for all of us. And so, as we're looking at these things, we're looking at the Word of God, just know... We're teaching the Bible this morning. God's the one that put these words in the hearts of men to write in the Bible. And this is God talking to us through his word. And if we take heed what we're seeing, we'll be strong Christians and change forever and ever. And so Psalms 1, 
verse 1. I, I just want to call this first verse here, choose your friends wisely. This is from God to help you grow. Choose your friends right, wisely if you want to grow in faith. He said this, and my, my friends, I, I'm talking about, the Bible's talking about who you hang out with, to have fun with, enjoy your life with, away from your regular work time. When I was a sinner, I used to go to a place called the Sunshine Inn, and it wasn't S-O-N, it was S-U-N. It was a little, 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 just a little family tavern by where I worked at. We cashed our checks there. We go there and drink beer. And, uh, I wasn't a Christian. And you know, they old say, birds of feather flock together. And so I hung out with the sinners and just hung out, and we weren't bad people, just weren't Christian people. And so because I was like them, they was like me, we chose to be friends. We drove trucks together, worked on the docks together, did things together, so it just makes sense we go drink together. And so what I'm talking about is you look at this, choose your friends wisely. We work with people all day long that aren't church people, aren't Christian people. But then when we're not, when we're not working, we need to choose who we hang out with. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, there's there's three groups of people that God talks about this verse. And he said, blessed is the man or blessed is the woman. So he's telling you what to do as a believer to walk in the blessings of God. Remember what I said, life is a choice. We can choose to walk closer to God or we can choose to walk closer to the world. It's totally up to us. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And I want to explain that to you. A preacher or a fellow believer can give you ungodly counsel. Ungodly counsel simply means non-word counsel. They're telling you things not in line with the word of God. If someone advises you to do something that doesn't agree with the principles of the Bible, it's ungodly counsel because it's non-word counsel. Godly counsel always agrees with the Word of God. Godly counsel always agrees with the Word of God. Godly counsel always agrees with the Word of God. Ungodly counsel can come to a preacher... That's been preaching for 50 years and went to the best Bible schools in America if they tell you to do something that doesn't agree with the Bible. It's ungodly counsel then. Because God and His Word are one. God tells you in the Word of God how to live. He tells you in the Word of God how to raise your kids. He tells you how to manage your money. He tells you how to pray. He tells you how to spend your time in life. You know, uh, I'll give you an example. If a pastor were to give you financial counsel in your finances, well, and he looked at you, and so they're really struggling financially, well, the head would say, don't tithe, save your money, pay bills. But the Word of God says, and a, a pastor that has the heart of God would say, well, the first thing you've got to do to get this tailspin turned around, head in the right direction you got to start giving God 10%. But emotions would say, back off. Don't do anything else. But then the Word of God says, you tithe, he opens the windows of heaven, the blessing starts. He rebukes the devourer. Things quit breaking down. Things quit falling apart. Things start changing. Things start working. And that's godly counsel. But a theologian, given ungodly counsel, would say, well, you guys better back off. Or, you know, Jesus said, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Go the extra mile. He said, don't hold on against your brother. Well, then, ungodly counsel, when you're having strife in the home or somewhere else, think, well, man, I'll tell you what, after what she did to you, best thing you can do is tell that woman happy trails to you, you're out of here. Well, in lots of marriages... It looks that way. 
And sometimes as pastors, we want to tell them, man, oh man, oh man, the best thing you could do is just uh, pack his bags and get a restraining order, put him out the door, and tell him, you're history, bud. But then the Word of God says, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Love never fails. Faith works by love. And all kinds of different things the Word of God says to do. And so we as we as Christians, sometimes you're talking to a fellow Christian. And really, you shouldn't go to a fellow Christian for counsel if you need it. You ought to cut to a spiritual father. You ought to see somebody that has an anointing. There's a difference between the anointing that a believer has and the anointing that a pastor has. It's up a few, it's up a few levels for what it is. It's a different anointing because your fellow Christian that doesn't have God's heart as a pastor will tell you, quit tithing, kick them out, deprive your kids, all kinds of stuff they'll tell you because they operate in the flesh of what to do. So, I'm telling you now to be a stronger Christian. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so if somebody tells you to do things in answer to crisis in life, and it doesn't agree with the Bible, it's called ungodly counsel. Is that the Bible? Amen. He says then the next thing he says then, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And so, this doesn't mean to stay away from unsaved people. How could you witness and influence the lost if you're not around the lost? It doesn't say that. And so, what it does say is that we do work with unsaved people all day long, on a regular basis. We're around unsaved relatives all the time. Uh, we go to ball games and other events with non-Christians. You know, there's a lot of things we do with non-Christians. What this means is this. We need to have fellowship with strong believers on a regular basis. We're around the world plenty, but we should we shouldn't enjoy hanging out with people that don't do what Christians do more than hanging out with Christians. We need to have fellowship on a regular basis if we want to grow in faith. I want to say it again. If we want to grow in faith. You know, that's, that, that, that's, 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 that's the whole key what we're talking about today. How could I be a strong Christian? I have a lot of friends even today that aren't church people, aren't Christian people. I don't mind going to things and doing events with people who are non-Christians, but even as a Christian truck driver, I realized that I'm out here eight, ten hours a day or more with these guys all day long. And so when I get off work, after I become a believer, I found out I didn't want to go to the Sunshine Inn anymore when I cashed my check. Why did, why did I not want to go to the Sunshine Inn? We didn't have that much in common anymore. I spent already eight hours with him. Why did I want to go spend the next four hours with him sitting down here getting looped? Wasn't doing bad stuff. We wasn't talking about God. Wasn't talking about how to pray for my mom. Wasn't talking for the Bible about how to raise my kids. And so I learned that by hanging out with Christians. Back in Indiana, we didn't have Del Taco and Nout Burger and those kind of things, so we went to the other places we had. So we'd go to a restaurant after church. We'd sit around after two or three hours, instead of being in the sunshine in, talking about things unsaved people talk about. We sit in the restaurant, talking about things that Christians talk about. Get my faith built up. So I still did the same things I used to do. I had fellowship, but I hung out with Christians. I got stronger as a new Christian. I was a baby. I looked at little Joaquin laying down there. You know, mama feeds him good, nutritious mama food. Because she's stronger and she's got what it takes to feed him. And so as a, as, as a new Christian, I so much enjoyed sitting around these other Christians. Christians, because they know more about the Bible than me. They talked about what was taught in church, and because I couldn't hang out with the pastor, I let them answer my questions about what the pastor taught, so I'd understand what the pastor taught. And I could ask these Christians to pray for me about my job. I'd ask these Christians to help me about family things that I didn't know, 
And so what was I doing? I was hanging around with people that knew God and not with people who didn't know God because I hung around people who didn't know God all day long anyway. And so what these guys taught me in my fellowship times, I had something to take back and teach the people the next day on the truck dock. Does that make sense to you? He said, nor, nor, nor hangs out with the sinners. And so he's with them anyway. It says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Scornful means somebody that murmurs, complains, whines about everything, but do nothing to change anything. Think about that. It's one thing if you're talking about a problem and you're given the answer how to change the problem, how to better the problem. That's why I don't like to talk about politics. Man, everybody can whine all day long about politics, about the system, about the stupid stuff, etc., etc. That's called being a scornful person. It's another thing if you say, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and I want to do something to help change this system. Or there's a candidate running and I know that they're a good moral person. They're a good Christian person. I know their values. I've did checks on them. I know their lifestyle. I know their habits. I know what they're doing. I don't like the way these things are going right now, these laws, what's going on. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to help with that campaign. I'm going to help pass out literature. I'm going to make phone calls. Well, you're not a scorner anymore. You've identified there's problems. You said, I'm going to do something to help change that problem. I'm going to get somebody in there that has my values. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to do what I can to get this moral person in there. This person has godly values, but somebody else whines all the time. Democrats are in, they're whining and crying. Republicans are in, they're whining and crying. Whoever gets in, they're whining and crying. That's all they ever do is murmur. And what are they doing? They're draining you. They're draining you. And so anyway, a scornful person could be a Christian or a non-Christian. How many here have ever been any scornful Christians? You get around them, you think, man, I'd, I'd rather be around my, uns, my unsaved uncle. I'd rather be around my unsaved co-worker, because they don't whine and murmur like these Christians do. And so a scornful person can be a Christian or non-Christians. There's a lot of very negative church people. Man, it really got quiet in here. A lot of very negative church people. How do I know? Because sometimes I run into them at Walmart. They don't have this. They don't have that. They did this. They did that. Too high, too high, too high. Never have enough of it. Blah, 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 blah. Not enough lines open. Too many people on the lines. How come that's broke? Well, probably before I get home, it'll go out. Nobody's never there. How come nobody's ever there? That's a scornful person. All they do is nitpick, whine, cry, etc., etc. And all you think is, man, I don't even want to ask them how they're doing because then I get an organ recital. What's an organ recital? My belly hurts. My liver hurts. My kidneys hurts. Can't hardly breathe. Oh, I don't know about this. Don't know about that. Aches and pains, that's all I got. And so you don't even want to ask them how they're doing. All you want to say is... <laughs> Amen. And so anyway, nothing will steal your faith any quicker than spending all your time with a scorner. And nothing will cause your faith to grow any better than choosing to develop the spiritual routine of meditating in the Word of God. This is where I'm going to close at. Look at the next thing. He tells you, watch who you hang out with, choose your friends wisely, and then he tells you how to hang out with God. And so this is God's way to grow in faith. He says, you choose who you hang out with, then says verse 2, but then his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, how many here sometimes delight in a certain kind of food? Delight yourself 
with who you love. You're delighted. And in his law, in his word, does he meditate day and night. We're talking about how to grow strong as a believer. God said, you watch out who you hang out with, but then you begin to meditate in God's word day and night. And that word meditate means to ponder by talking to yourself. You need to have your quiet prayer time where you're reading the word. You're talking it out loud. You're saying, Lord, I see that. And you said that. And that's for me, Jesus. I'm going to grab that, Jesus. I believe that. Lord, help me to walk in that. Help me to practice that in my life. You ponder by talking to yourself. It's an active recitation or re-speaking of God's Word. That's more than memorization. That's planting the Word in your heart where the Word actually goes from your head to your heart and then becomes a part of your thinking, part of your innermost being, to where you're praying, you're praying the Word. And when you're praying the Word, you're praying the answer. And when you're praying the answer, you're going to see manifestation. I like that. Never sort whoa, that was good. Let me say it again. Can I say that again? Well, that come right on my spirit. When the Word becomes ingrained in your heart, then it's out of your head and in your heart. Then when you're praying, because it's down here, it comes out here. And when you're praying the Word, you're praying the answer. Because the Word's the answer. As you're praying the answer, you'll see manifestation. And when you see manifestation, people are going to say, wow, that Dave has really grown. That Dave has really grown. They're saying, they're saying, Dave, your faith has grown exceedingly. Why is that? Because they're seeing the answers. And that's what verse 3 says. This is where we close right here. Because you delight yourself in the Word of God, you meditate in the Word of God. It says, then you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit. Isn't that the result? We want the fruit. His fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Prosperous marriage. Prosperous children. Your children doing right. Your children turning out right. Prosperous on the job too. But that's what he says. As you're a person... That chooses to walk in these Christian disciplines and these principles. God said, you're going to be like that tree down by the Mojave. You're coming through there seeing nothing but dirt. And all of a sudden you see these trees everywhere down by Helendale. That's because they're planted by that water. You can't see the water, but it's under there. And those trees there grow big because they got a root system. People can't see God. But you meditate the word of God, do what he says to do. Your roots are going down into God. People are going to see you like that tree. You're going to get big. You're going to get strong. And they're going to say, that Norma has really changed. She's not the same lady she used to be. Norma is a very strong, fruit-bearing Christian because she got a deep, deep root system. She's chosen who she hangs out with. She meditates on the Word of God. People look at her and say, she's fruitful and she's prosperous. Amen. So if you want to be a strong Christian, take seriously what we said today message will be on the internet this week. You can hear this again on the internet. I'll tell you what, you start doing these things, you won't be a wimp anymore. You'll be a spiritual giant. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.